So we're looking at Alicia this morning, church. The main idea today is we're going to be looking at the cross of Calvary. It's the only place that the Christian can survive and stand strong is Calvary's cross. It's a place of life for the Christian. It's where we find renewal. It's where we find comfort and acceptance. It's at the cross. It's there that we are reminded that our sin and our, and our short fallings, they're all washed away. It's at the cross that we are lifted up and restored. That's the place that I want to bring us to today. It's the place I want you to leave here afresh on your heart. It's too easy for the Christian to, to, to leave the cross in an unhealthy way. It's only in the cross can we boast. Isn't that right? It's, it's only there that we can, we can have any sort of confidence to come before God. At the cross is where we're lifted up and restored. We considered last week some of the hardships in ministry. Ministry being defined as the whole life of the, of the Christian. Thank you, Jimmy. We're speaking of ministry, we're not just talking about active service of, of what we do in church, but what we do in our life as Christians, our, our whole life is ministry before God. Ministry defined as the whole life of the Christian. And we looked at in ministry how there's hardship and how there's disappointment. If you remember, we call in 2 Timothy, Paul shared some of these hardships that he faced in ministry. Why are we looking at these, these hardships? We're looking at them because it helps us realize that our life is normal. The resistance that we face when we seek to serve God is very much normal. You recall that, 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 that Paul faced desertion. Demas, a fellow worker, has deserted me. He faced abandonment. Nobody turned up at his court case. He faced loneliness. He felt that all had forsaken him, all those who were close to him. He faced discouragement in life. He faced opposition. Alexander the coppersmith has did much harm to me. You will face opposition when you want to stand up for the things of God. And sometimes friends will be out of town just when we need them to be there. That's just a true reality of life. Sometimes friends will let you down. And sometimes you will let friends down too. That's just the reality of ministry. And Paul needed encouraged. He needed strengthened and he needed godly friends around him. What we're going to be talking about next week briefly and why we want to pursue certain things is we want godly friends around us. And Paul needed that. And we all need encouraged in the faith. We all need to surround ourselves with, with godly people. Would you agree, church? We need godly people around us. Not those who pick all the bad out of the good. Do you, ever, do you know any of them people? They just seem to pick all the bad. There's so much good, but they find the bad. We don't need that influence in our lives. It will pull you down. It will discourage you and leave you shipwrecked. And I want to encourage you, regardless of how holy your friend might act, if they don't encourage you on and, and want you to stand stronger in the things of God, I would question what the relationship stands for. We all need encouraged. We're all told to be encouragers and surround ourselves with such people. In slide, slide three there, please, Andrew, I just want to focus briefly on that thought, encourage each other in the faith. I look at Proverbs 27 and verse 17. It's a wonderful verse. It's, it's a verse that's going to become perhaps more popular around this church for us, especially as men. As iron sharpens iron, so too does one man sharpen another. Are you sharpening the people in your life? When you con come into contact with a brother or a sister in the Lord, do they leave your presence built up 
and sharpened are deflated and blunt. Isn't there two, there's two ways we can look at that. But we'll look at what the Bible says. Godly men and godly women, when they come together, they sharpen one another for the things of God. And after reflecting over his life as a Christian, the Apostle Paul concluded that in every hardship that he faced, that Christ always showed up. He always was there to strengthen him and to stand by him. And that's the confidence that we have, and that's the message to the church and to every believer. As you personally serve Christ with your life, he personally will stand by you and strengthen you. It's even written into the Great Commission, slide four, Andrew. I put the Great Commission up, just some simple slides this morning, just to, to let you see what I'm saying. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, there's obedience, to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of age. I am with you always, even to the end of age. What I see here is simply this, that Christ will lift you up in life, and he lift you up in death, always, even to the end, even to the, the deathbed, Christ will stand by us and with us. So our title today is Retrieving Our Cutting Edge. And we're going to finish with that thought. Retrieving Our Cutting Edge. Just turn to slide five, please. And that's just where we're going to leave it as far as slides is. I want to minister to the heart this morning. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, we see Elisha and a group of prophets and an axe head. It's quite a strange combination. And this, this story tells us many things about God and his concern for his people. How in even the small matters of life, concerning an individual and his loss of a borrowed tool, that, that God intervened for him. And what we see here is a community of prophets. What is this community of prophets? Well, it's a school of prophets. It's a college of prophets, if you like, who had outgrown the, the place in which they met under the leadership of Elisha. It was a sign that, that God was doing a new thing among the young people of the land preparing them for, for ministry. And under the leadership of Elisha, the school had grown and, and something needed to be done. And the prophets, notice, approach, approach Elisha. And they say, let us go down to the Jordan where each of us can get a log so we can build ourselves a place to dwell. Elisha agree, agrees and he gives them permission to proceed. But one of them is not content with the approval. And so he stops, stops Elisha and he asks him to come along with them, in which Elisha agrees. Now, Elisha had a special anointing. His power was supernatural. It showed that he was no ordinary prophet. In fact, Elisha is a type of Christ. Elisha's name means that God is salvation. Jesus' name means Yahweh will save. Their ministries both started at the Jordan River they both fed large numbers of people with very little food, and both had food left over. Elisha healed Naaman, you remember, the, the general with leprosy. And Jesus healed many lepers. Elisha caused an axe head to float on water, and Jesus himself walked on water, and he even enabled Peter to walk on water too. And there's much more we, we, we could point to, point to, but... But Elisha's ministry simply points to a greater ministry. It points to Christ, the Son of God. 
There was a shadow of greater things yet to come. And so by inviting Elisha to come along with them as they labored for the Lord, there's a lesson that for us all. Let us learn from this young prophet. Before we run off on our new venture, let us stop just for a moment to seek the company of the Lord. Invite him along in all we do in our life. So the prophets first asked permission to build. They invited the man of God to be part of it. Then in verse 5, we read as one of the men was cutting down a tree that the axe head fell off and came into the, the river Jordan. And the man whose axe head came off, we see this man gets very distraught. And he shouts, the axe head is lost and it was not mine, it was borrowed. And you know, the, the Hebrew word for this word borrowed could be translated begged. And this would indicate that the prophet was poor in wealth. And in fact, he had to beg to get a loan of this axe head to serve the Lord. And he would be unable to replace the loss of this axe head. And the prophet shouts to Elisha, help, I've lost the borrowed axe head. And Elisha asked the student to show him exactly where it fell. And then Elisha does something very strange. He cuts a stick. He throws it into the water where the axe head was and the axe head head floats to the top of the water and Elisha then instructs his young student to reach out and retrieve it and the very least we can see from this miracle is that God is concerned with even the small matters in your life and in my life this young prophet had lost an expensive iron that was borrowed it wasn't his in the first place And by Elisha retrieving it, it shows God's willingness to undertake for us in all that we would seek to do for him in life. Isn't that something? If you devote your life to God, all that you seek to do for him will prosper. There's a promise for you. It's a bit like that other one. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things that the world are running after, they just throw them at you as a wee side by. The same principle is found right throughout the Old Testament, right into the New Testament. It shows God's willingness to undertake for us in all we do for him in life. The faithful, diligent labor will find favor, the favor of God on their side. And to be diligent includes being an honest worker. Working hard for their employer. Not stealing time or anything else. God perhaps would even bless the workplace we work in if we would dare to invite him along and live as such I want you to notice something. These school of prophets, they didn't employ others to do their work. They did the hard graft themselves. Which shows that they had a good work ethic as prophets. One commentator says this. Whatever we as believers do, we are to do it well and do it diligently. Whenever we undertake a task, we are to be faithful and complete the work. In our jobs and employment, we are to be committed If there's ever a time in church history where Christians are to be committed, I would suggest it could be now. It could be a time when we say we're going to do something that perhaps we should do it. One of the biggest cries in society is this, that that daddy never turned up. Daddy never had time. Such and such started this, but such and such didn't arrive. And unfortunately, it's become acceptable. And I would say to you, is it really? I think our work ethic shows the sort of man and woman we really are in God. 
The Bible says, let our yes be yes and our no be no. Do you know, the hardest thing to say sometimes is no, isn't it? But let us learn, if we really think we can't do something or we don't think we want to do something, it might be hard to say no at the time, but certainly people will think more of you in the long run if we just say no. We're to be hardworking. We're to be steadfast, doing the very best work we can. One commentator goes on to say, it's a privilege to have a job. It's a greater privilege to have the health to perform it. Isn't that it? It's a greater privilege to have health to do it. I want to quote with one more commentator. He says this, Think of all the lazy workers and all the sloppy work that goes on around us. All the people who think that society and others owe them a livelihood. Then think what a different society this would be if everyone was hardworking and did his or her very best. If every worker was diligent and steadfast at his or her employment, what a different world we would live in. You know, a faithful believer, they do their best in the workplace. We need to be reminded of that. He brings honour to the Lord by their conduct, by their faithfulness to their employer. But it's not only our employment that concerns the Lord. It's every task that we undertake in life. No matter what we put our hands to, the Lord is concerned about it. And one thing the Bible says is this, that God's people are not slothful people. God's people are not slothful people. If we just look right back to Genesis 2 and 15, it says, And the Lord God took the man. He put him in the garden of Edom to dress it and to keep it. And here we see from the beginning that man was to maintain the land. In Romans 12 and 11, it says, Be not slothful in business, be fervent in the spirit, and serve the Lord. Ephesians 4 and 28, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands a thing which is good, that he may be able to give him that has need. What a change the Lord does in the heart of the sinner. In Colossians 3 and 23, whatever ye do, do it wholeheartedly as unto the Lord and not unto man. Our faithfulness to God is displayed in our faithfulness in all that we do, church. What a thought. How faithful are we on a Sunday? But what a greater question is, how faithful are we on that faithful Wednesday or Thursday? So in this story, I see a school of prophets. These prophets are hardworking and they're God-fearing men. But there's much deep, deeper spiritual truths to be found. I wasn't content with that. And what I found out was this, that Elisha is likened to God. The axe head is likened to humanity. And when the axe head falls into the Jordan River, it speaks or it points to the fall of man. And in our text, it's the Jordan River that the axe head falls into. That got me asking the question, why the Jordan River? What is it about the Jordan River that it was this axe head that fell into? It turns out that there's a, a spiritual connotation to the River Jordan. Its waters run from the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea, and it signifies the power of death. It's known as the River of Death. And the axe head was once used of God. It was now fallen in the River of Death. It speaks of man's state before God, once in fellowship with God, now fallen, lost, and facing eternal death. And this axe head was forged. It was fashioned. It was created. 
was it not? And likewise, each man, each woman, each child was fashioned by the hand of God. Listen to Job in Job 33 and 4, ISV. The Spirit of God fashioned me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Psalm 119 and 73, King James Version. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me, and given me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. So the Axed speaks of humanity. Once created in the image of God, as sharp as a razor, and in fellowship with God, now lost. I want you to notice, Elisha asked the prophet where the axe head was lost. And he showed him the very place where it was lost. I want to say this to you. Except a man, but I say a man can't be saved unless that man realizes that he's lost. If you can't point to your own life and see that you have sinned against God and that judgment is at the door and you're already condemned, it's somewhat impossible for you to be saved. This man knew where the axe head had fallen. We too must know that we are fallen. Alicia goes to the very spot where the axe head was and he cuts a stick or a branch and he throws it toward the axe head and something supernatural happens. When Elisha throws in the branch, the axe head is lifted up from the river of death. But what was it about this stick or this branch? It's a strange story really, isn't it? Some say it speaks of the cross of Calvary. I like that. I even said amen to it when I read it. Why? Because I know the power of the cross in, in my life. And I suspect many of you know it in your life. Once a great sinner, now know a great saviour. Because there's no other way that a lost sinner can be lifted up from the merry clay of sin that they're stuck in. It's impossible. No other way can we set ourselves free. Only through the cross can a man pass from death and on to life. And this stick is a shadow of the tree in which Jesus Christ would be nailed to that you and I could be saved. The cross is the only thing that you and I have to boast about, church. Perhaps you've done well in life, perhaps you haven't. Either road, only the cross have you and I got something to boast about. Only in it can we stand and say, thank God for it. The cross is the only thing that the believer can boast about. If it wasn't for the cross, you and I would be carried down the river of life and into eternal death. And I believe this branch, it doesn't just point to the cross. I believe it points to the one upon the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes, write down Isaiah 11 and verse 1. And then let me read it to you. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Jesse's the father of King David. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. See that word branch. Jeremiah 23 and 5. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will rise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. This stick is not only symbolic of the cross. It points to the one greater, the one who would go to the cross. You know, today it's safe to say 
humanity is sinking deeper and deeper in sin and depravity. A few weeks ago, I was listening to Derek Prince, and I'm, I'm sure it was at least 40 years ago, um, the Pacific teaching that I was listening to, and um, he just happened to speak about how um, ungodly um, the days were around him. And I thought to myself, if you could only have seen or witness a wee witness in the last 15 years, I'm telling you. And yet there was a, an awareness of the church, of the coming of the Lord, and yet today there's such an apathy of it, which is, I suppose, all for the stage, isn't it? We're told that he'll come when very few expect him to come. But listen, we are living in a time where humanity is sinking deeper and deeper. You know you're deep in sin when everything around you seems normal, don't we? And even as a, a man of God and a woman of God, we can say here today that we are watching things that no longer scares us doesn't even cause us to lift an eyebrow. But when the holiness of God, the presence of God comes, I promise you, it'll burn it up like chaff. And let the man, the woman of God, be ready and be prepared and not be part of this old world. It's sinking deep. But listen, there's still hope, isn't there? There's still hope. There's hope for lost sinners and there's hope for the child of God that's backslidden. It's through the cross and through the cross alone that the repentant sinner can be lifted up Listen, lift it up, because we need to be lifted out of it. We can't climb out of it. We can't crawl out of it. We can't be pulled out of it. Only the hand of God can lift us out of it and lift it out of that merry clay of sin that we're stuck in and be saved. There's still hope. When the Lord has yet tarried to come, there's hope. And listen, when the axe head floated to the top of the river, I want you to see this. Elisha, the man of God, he, he told the prophet to reach out and take it. And there's something in that. There's something in that for each and every one of us today. We need to reach out and take something today home with us. And I want you to listen carefully, please. And We're not going to be long today. I want you to listen. The Bible says this. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all know that, right? But let me just remind you of it again. We, we are all sinners. We are all fallen. We fall short of the glory of God. We have fallen into this river of death, if you like, this river Jordan that, that eventually leads to the Dead Sea. Separated from God and lost and headed for eternal death. But listen, God in his mercy, in his grace, sent his son, that branch, that, that root of Jesse, the Lord Jesus Christ, to take our sin upon himself on that cross. There he suffered and died and he paid the price for your sin and my sin. That used to excite the church. It used to excite the Christian. And it's possibly because of the depravity that's around us that our hearts have waxed cold. But I don't know about you, church, but let me tell you about me. I'm clinging to that cross. I reach out for it every day. I'm reaching out for it now as I'm speaking to you. Because without it, I'm lost. Without it, I'm dead. And so are you. And never let the world rob the power of that cross. Because only there can you it's only there can you survive when a man accuses you or Satan himself accuses you point them to the cross because he can't accuse you no longer when it's there that you're clinging to because it's all paid isn't it all paid you're no longer clothed in these filthy rags that are overpriced we're clothed with heavenly rags that are righteous glory to God church I want to remind you of the cross and the power of it and it's through the cross we can receive a pardon and be reconciled back to the Father and just as this prophet had to reach out and receive that axe head, you too this morning need to reach out and receive Christ. 
Who am I speaking to this morning? Need to reach out this morning and receive Christ. He wants to lift you from your sin and set you free from its grip. Maybe you're saved here this morning and what's that pastor talking about? What's he ranting about? Sin and needing saved. Or I'm saved X amount of years. Sin has got an awful way of pulling men down. Holding them back. Destroying the things of God and the works of God in their life. I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation. What I am saying, there's a purpose and a work of God in your life. And perhaps this morning, you need to reach out afresh. But I'm also speaking to the man or woman that's not saved here this morning. And you know too well that you're stuck in the cycle of sin and you need to lift it out. You need to reach out. He wants to lift you from your sin. But you must reach out and grab hold of his salvation. Will you do that today? Will you reach out? Will you be saved? Before it's too late. Do you know when Luke chapter 8 and first, verses 44, we read about a woman who had a blood issue. I want to just push, press this once more. And she had tried many things to help her. And she spent all her money in doctors and witchcraft and God knows what else. And we can try many things to help us in life. We can We can find many things to have peace and assurance and purpose. And it's all in vain. As this woman was to find out. The Bible tells us that she could not be healed by anyone. No one could help her. But one day Jesus was passing by and there was vast crowds that surrounded him. In the midst of this crowd, this woman reached out and she touched the the hem of his garment. And we are told that immediately her blood ceased to flow. That issue was healed. Now listen, a lot of people touched Jesus that day. There was vast crowds. A lot of people came to see Jesus. That's why the crowds was there. They burst past him. But only one had the faith to reach out and be healed. I want to leave that with you. You must reach out. I want to just leave that. Maybe you need saved this morning. Maybe you need a healing this morning. I'm going to give an opportunity in just a moment to respond to that. Before I do this, just as we close, and this is a closing part. It's not my normal closing part. It's a closing part. We're coming to an end. And I'm going to come back to that. If you need saved or healing this morning, I'm going to give an opportunity to respond. All right? But in closing, I want to just speak very briefly to the church regarding this young prophet who lost his axe head One translation refers to the axe head as a cutting edge. But what this actually reads is that the prophet had lost his cutting edge, which was borrowed. Our anointing, our cutting edge, our sharpness, everything we have is from the Father. It's borrowed. It can never be replaced. We can never afford to replace it. We each have been given a cutting edge lost his. He'd become ineffective in the ministry. Do you know he was no no longer able or fit to help the other prophets as they laboured in the work? He was unable to labour. We could apply that today as he had no desire, if you like. But regardless, this prophet was unable to partake in the ministry any longer. To apply that to your life, he was unable to live for God any longer. He lost his cutting edge 
And therefore, I believe he lost his purpose as a Christian, as a prophet in the work. I just want to say, is that you this morning, that perhaps you've lost your purpose as a man of God, a woman of God? Why do you do what you do? Who are you in Christ? Is there more, do you believe? Or have you made promises to God? Perhaps do you know that God has, has asked you to go and do something or be somewhere and you're fighting it? It's too big a cost, you think. There's many reasons. I'm going to leave that to the Holy Spirit to, to deal with in your hearts this morning. It's too easy to become ineffective in the work. Lost your purpose as a Christian. Christian, I want to ask each of you with the aim of restoration, nothing else. Because we all go through times and seasons like this. This isn't the season that we're speaking about. This is a state of a heart. This is a state of a church, even. The aim of restoration of the power of God in our life, in our church, in our ministry. The question is this, how's your cutting edge this morning? I've got friends in my life who, when I'm not walking right with God, they cut me by their very words. They cut me by their very lifestyle. Not, not, in, not in, in an intentional assault, but because of their faithfulness to the Lord, my unfaithfulness is exposed by my actions in line with theirs. Sometimes the word's never spoken. So how, how's your cutting edge this morning, child of God? Are you as sharp as you once were in the things of God? Think. Think of them good old days that we think's gone. What a lie that is. The best ends are behind us. They haven't even started. Come on. The world's never been as ripe to evangelize. There's never been a time in history where people have so much but yet so little. Bank accounts full but their hearts are so empty. Suicide seems an easier way out. How ripe must the fields be before we get the harvesters out? How's your cutting edge this morning? Are you in the work? Are you about the Father's business? You can be in the, the work and not be about the Father's business. You're speaking to a man who has pursued to serve God perhaps a good two-thirds of my Christian life and there's times I know too well what I'm doing, I'm doing to survive that day just. God stood with me and strengthened me and he'll stand with you and he'll strengthen you but we have to ask these difficult questions. Are you in the work of the ministry? Are you helping to extend the kingdom? Are you, have you got your, your axe head? Are you cutting down the beams to build and to extend the prophet's house? saying that we're, we're in the work and we're in the place with God is when the prophets we see a picture working together see that they're together and they're working together I've never seen as much a society separated as it is now signs up in workplaces you can't sit with me at lunchrooms don't come near me in nearly every public venue we can't even come to church now without being forced not to speak to each other or look at each other. Consider what's of God and what's not. 
Are we in the work? Are we helping to extend the kingdom? Are we working together with others to share the love of God and the message of the cross that through Christ all is not lost and sinners can be saved? Because that's the simple message of evangelism. You see, many have lost their cutting edge, but they try to carry on, hoping that it'll turn up someday. Do you ever be there? I just feel like I've lost the edge, but shall press on. And thank God for that. Imagine we just dropped out the minute we felt we didn't have it. We would have nobody, including nobody standing here this morning. But it's a dangerous thing to, to have lost our cutting edge and to continue on hoping before too many notice that we receive it back. And is that you today? That you've perhaps lost that edge that you have had for ministry, but you're pressing on anyway. You're pretending, hoping nobody has noticed. Trying to carry on, but very little fruit for your, for your efforts. Listen, I want you to see this. When this prophet lost his cutting edge, he didn't hide. He cried out to the man of God. That's our Christ this morning. He cried out to Elisha, the man of God, and he told him that he had lost his cutting edge. He didn't hide the fact that he had lost it. He went straight to Elisha and he told him about it, and of his present situation. And so too are we. We're to come before the Lord, confess our current situation. Imagine that. If you've lost your age this morning, I want you to tell him this this morning. You need to reach out this morning. I'm going to invite you to come to the cross, for there you can retrieve your cutting edge, church. Say amen to that. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to see every man, every woman of God, every young person in this church as sharp as a razor? Imagine. Imagine. Sinners walk through the door and they're exposed. You're in a backslidden state, you walk through the door, you leave restored. Because people around you have sharpened you, challenged you, not accepted you're the way you are or where you're, the way you're living, but challenged you to rise up and live as God intends. Imagine, church. So we're going to give an opportunity. I'm going to ask the team just to play it very quietly. Please just, and we're going to prepare our hearts too for the table. But I want us to come to that place in our hearts. Come to the cross in our hearts. Ask yourself that question seriously about your cutting edge. Because God's given you one. We've each got an anointing. We've each got a purpose. We've each got the power to win people for Christ and encourage disciples. You get restored. When you get back to Christ and back into the work, only you can reach out for that this morning and join with the other prophets all around the world who are serving God to extend his kingdom. Don't think this is it, church. I read yesterday just about Iran. There's a total revival has broken out in Iran. The work of God is flowing through that ungodly country like a river. I'm studying Revelation at the moment. I want to preach a series on it, God willing, very soon, right from the start, right through to the very end. I don't want to go through it all. One of the things that I've noticed about the seven churches is this. Only the two that were so poor and persecuted ever received any condemnation from the Lord. Only encouragement. The other ones have become rich. And they believed in their richness that they had need for nothing. And you know something? There's something about being in that place where you need God. 
Because when you're in that place where you need God, nothing else can do. But you know, we can go on to Amazon and we can get a quick fix, can't we? We can go and buy something. Releases stuff in us. Shop, shop on Thursday. Is it retail therapy? It's a real thing, by the way. What about a bit of Bible therapy? Costs nothing. Dividends are rich. I think it was Ken Davison, pastor in Guildford, put a post up of a young man being resuscitated with the Bible. And out of his mouth flowed Facebook and Instagram and all these other apps that I'm not even familiar with. I'm not with it. Thank God I'm not with it. So consumed by everything else, they've lost their cutting edge. Church, that's for us. For us, it's for you. It's for every man and woman that wants to accept the challenge and reach out. Who's hindered you? Is it somebody in this room? I see if I could say every week goes by, there could be a criticism of each person. We could do that, couldn't we? We could very easily criticize. No doubt, around the lunch table today, there could be something about myself, perhaps, is, hasn't pleased the palate. I don't know. Hope not. But if it causes your heart to change, well, I thank God for it. If it causes you to hate me a wee bit, but love him a bit more, I thank God for it. But don't allow somebody else to hinder your walk with God, your ministry with God. 24 years of age, I was so lost in life, so lost in life, and I enjoyed it. One faithful old man constantly reminded me of my need of Christ. I hated him. I don't believe there's once that, that I've given my testimony where I haven't mentioned him. The difference. I hate him. I hated him then. Now I make mention of him every time I testify. We're going to invite you this morning to reach out, receive your cutting heads back and get back into the ministry. Is there a relationship with some of your friends in church broken down, fix it. Fix it. Word for God, fix it. He wants to divide us, you know, and every other church, and every other Christian. How can we stand if we're divided? Can't. Finish, close the doors, go home, watch TV. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not just sure what I'm speaking about because I'm speaking to Christians, but you're empty and your heart's broken and you're lost. You're searching for some sort of authenticity. And you're searching for something that you know you haven't found in retail therapy, you haven't found in wealth, you haven't found in relationships, you haven't found in any material thing at all. And I'm going to point you to Christ. And I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to reach out and receive Christ. Be saved. I haven't got the gift of healing, but I believe God's a great healer, the great physician. I've seen very little healing in my ministry, but I know men who've seen a lot. So some women who've seen a lot. Um, but I'm taking God at his word. He says if you're sick to reach out and get the elders to pray for you. Of course we can't break the COVID rules but we can pray for you. God's not restricted by our touch. It's our faith. You know the faith of that wee woman who had a blood issue where nobody could help her and she was broke because all promised her this if you pay them a few dollars. Here we are. Does anybody want to retrieve their cutting edge this morning? 
But I ask you to stand to your feet if you do, and I'm already standing. And if I was sitting, I'd be standing. There's a sharper side to me that I want to come out. There's a part of me that wants to cut away all the nonsense. See the kingdom of God extended. I want to see my children excited about God. Serve God. Do you? Do you want to see your children serve God? You know who they're watching? Not the pastor. Watching you. How you serve, your children will follow. I promise you that. If you allow yourself to dry up, guess what? They'll dry up too. You criticize your fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, guess what? They'll learn to do the very same thing. You know, it's a habit that has to be broken. I went through a phase myself. I could just see the wrong in everybody. I was very shocked with myself, really, when it was pointed out to me by my friend who's razor sharp. He says, Brother, the Lord sent you in to encourage people on the things of God, and all you're doing is pointing out the stuff that they already know. Not a speak. <laughs> hmm. I was speechless. I just said, Pray for me, brother. His name's Danny. You met him. I said, Pray for me, brother. Same boy is about to commit suicide because the devil told him, you know, no purpose in life. He's now leading the wee church up in uh, Kelton. Great into football. A few guys from the, the league has got saved. There's been a ripple effect. Some people here know this story. And do you know something? Cut the nonsense out of our lives. There's one brother standing, there's two brothers standing. And I'm going to ask, is there anybody else who wants to stand? Don't be standing, please don't feel you have to stand. But this is, a, this is an altar call. I can't invite you up for that reason. I might be higher up this morning, but I'm down at the same level. Without God and that cutting edge church, church is just another boys club and girls club, isn't it? So much more. There's so much more. Perhaps you're not saved this morning. And you need to be saved. And you know that. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet too. And the Lord's going to take a deal with you. If you're here this morning, you need healed. Could be spiritual, could be physical. Are you going to trust God this morning and reach out? That's where we're at this morning, church. Reach out. Let's just wait upon the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.